Welcome to another episode of Coming Out Stories from What Goes On Media with me, Emma Goswell. You're now going to hear from Claire. She's from Surrey and didn't come out as trans until her mid-40s when she had to tell both her wife and her teenage daughter. Please be warned, this interview may be triggering as it does mention transphobia and sexual abuse. I'm a transgender woman and... I think I identify as pansexual, but um, mainly lesbian. I mean, I've only had relationships with women. And um, I think growing up, I've experimented and realised that that men aren't for me. So I've gone from where I thought I was pansexual to being lesbian. So I've sort of felt different urges at different times, I suppose. All my relationships have been with women, so um, I do class myself now as a trans lesbian, if, uh, if that's a category. I don't know. Uh, you can have yeah. whatever category you want, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like for you it has been quite, quite a long journey in a way. Yeah. So let's try and go back to the beginning, shall we? When can you remember sort of questioning your gender or thinking about gender as a child? Yeah, yeah. I think for me it was probably about 11 or 12 I was quite a feminine boy, uh, always playing with the girls at school. And um, I started dressing probably about that age, 11, 12, generally at home when I could and experimenting. Obviously, not having any under any understanding, really, of what was going on. So when you say dressing, I mean, whose clothes were you using? I mean, mainly my mum's tights and stuff obviously this was still the 70s and no computers no mobile phones and not really having anyone to talk to or I mean my mum was really good she was a teacher but for me I just I don't know really a lot of questions going on they got to about 13 and I got uh I got abused by two men who uh it really set me back a lot I was quite an outgoing boy and, and it just stopped all that. I went into my shell and basically I hid away for years, really. God, I'm guessing you didn't even feel able to speak about it at the time or even report it? No, no. Well, the thing was, they um, there was a man on my paper round and um, so we had interacted with them um, and... Then they dressed me up and and abused me and and so it changed my outlook of was it because I like dressing that it happened why did it happen it was a lot of self blaming I suppose and I, I suppose for most of my teen years it, it it was a a mixture of compulsion of wanting to dress but also revulsion because it was linked now to that attack and and you just end up hating yourself if your self-worth it's, goes through the floor. It's so and, sad to hear that, Claire. I'm, I'm guessing that took quite a lot of therapy to to get over and understand and, and get over that. Yeah, it did. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that I actually opened up about it and um, it was affecting my relationship with my partner at the time and I opened up and went and had counselling I confronted a lot of demons and, and compartmentalised it and, and realised that I didn't need to blame myself for what happened and I was able to finally put it to bed sort of thing. So 
I don't let things like that define mm. what's happened to me or, or how how I've turned out. But, um, you know, I think it's slowed down maybe my transition. Well, I mean, thank you for thank you for being honest and talking about it, because it's the sort of thing that understandably a lot of people don't want to talk about. But unfortunately, a lot of people yeah. have experienced something like this. It was a, it was a weight around me for years. But it seems like you not got over it, but something within you said that isn't connected and I need to carry on dressing or looking at looking yeah. at this side of myself. So your your dressing continued, did it? Yeah, on and off. I tried to do the, the manly things, try and you, you fight against it. You know, this isn't me. I don't, you know, what, you know, what's going on? I started going to football and drinking and doing all lads things. But still, it was in the background. By then, I, it, it was the rave scene was coming along and I was going to clubs and going to more diverse clubs, not just mainstream clubs. And I was seeing more people who were more openly, you know, gender variant or proud to be who they are. And I realised that there was opportunities for me to, to go out dressed and I suppose when I was 25, uh, I was still living at home. My mum had gone to Poland to teach English for a year. So I had the house to myself. And I think I got over that stage where I was dressing and feeling revulsion to myself and just came to terms with it that I could come home and dress and be myself. And I didn't have to be awful or sexual or anything like that. And I was close to transitioning then, but I never did. So um, Claire went back in the wardrobe. You go through life on these horrible cycles where you dress and it's great. And then you battle your demons and you purge your clothes. You throw them all the way. And then a month later, you're buying a new dress. And it's a vicious... It sounds like... In a way, the club scene sort of saved you a bit, though, because you obviously felt accepted there and you felt like part of a community, maybe. Yeah, it was obviously with a lot of the pills going around and that, it was a really good vibe anyway. But um, I gradually came more out of myself, out of my shell, but had some really good times and it allowed me to express myself out in public as opposed to it was always hidden away. It was always like my dirty secret never told my mum before she died I suppose as technology comes along and then computers started happening there was more information and I could make more informed decisions about actually I'm not looking at stuff at the back of a, a, a exchange in Mart <laughs> that's how we used to like buy clothes or the, the one shop in London that would do it you know that charged fortunes and um, did you have any understanding, Claire, of what, what you were going through, that you were transgendered or, or was there such lack of information you weren't sure? Because, I mean, yeah, I have spoken to people I, who are, you know, they identify as cross-dressers and they're just quite happy dressing and, and then just having it at, at the yeah. weekends. But was there a light bulb moment when yeah. you thought, no, I am a woman? Not at that yeah. stage. I think I was still coming to terms with it. And obviously by the time I was 30, I'd, I'd been in a relationship for a while and had a baby daughter. So then it, it, I seemed to put it at the back of my mind, try and put that in a box and right, this is my life now. This is what I have to focus on. 
I speak to a lot of my trans friends and most feel that they have progressed from early stages of cross-dressing to, to, to trans. Not everyone does it. I've got good friends who are gender fluid, who they're quite happily compartmentalising mm. everything. But as I was understanding more, I was opening myself up to actually, this is me. This isn't who I've got to hide in that box. This is something I've got to get out. And I suppose then... Once my relationship broke down with with my daughter's mother, I had more freedom again, to, to more time to express myself. Uh, there was a moment where I sat down with a pen and pad and a bottle of Rioja and I got drunk. And the idea was that if I could have anything in my life without any restrictions, what would it be? And made a list of stuff and then... In the morning, I would write down what the restrictions were, sort of thing. So obviously, it was living my true self. I think I'd come to that point there where I wanted to be my true self, but I have lots of barriers mm. in the way. And it was, how can I work out what these barriers were? I already knew I wanted to live as a woman, but I had to put a plan into place. So what was on the list? So, what was top of the list? Oh, God. <laughs> well, obviously, wanting to live my life still having contact with my daughter really it wasn't a very big list because I've got lots of friends who have transitioned and their families have disowned them so that was that's always a big if but I was still good friends with my daughter's mum we we just fell out of love really we didn't you know it wasn't acrimonious or anything and um I was at Sparkle so I was in Manchester at Sparkle big festival weekend yeah Yes, biggest trans festivals, and it's helped so many people. It is wonderful to, to feel in a an accepted group and make new friends. And I was walking down Canal Street, and my ex rang me up just for a chat. How are you? Yes, fine. Where are you? Well, I'm in Manchester. <laughs> I'm at this transgender festival, and I'm finding out about myself. Oh, okay then. So then I sent her a picture and she said, oh, nice legs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I came back, we had a good chat and she said it explained a lot about how our relationship was and said, well, you know, if you feel this is the path, then go for it, really. But obviously then my daughter was 15. And was this the first time you told her then? This was the first time you'd really yeah. approached it? Yeah, yeah. And we agreed to that I'd wait until my daughter left school at 16. So in that time, I was still out as Claire. I was working not as Claire, which was hard because I was on a building site, probably the worst place to try and transition. And when I was with my daughter, I was quite androgynous. And then when she was 16, we, I uh, took her for a coffee and showed her a few pictures on my phone, had a brief chat. She had seen a picture on my phone and thought it was a picture of my new girlfriend but it was actually me wow so <laughs> we had a brief chat and we booked some cams counseling so we went and had counseling how did she respond though on that initial chat um yeah she was she was surprised we kept it brief because i didn't want to overload her we said that we could get questions you know from her to to her mum to me and then we could try and work stuff out yeah, she was initially surprised and we, we had a lot of things to work out, which came out in the counselling sessions, which is quite good. 
it started off with all three of us and a counsellor and then it just became me and my daughter. And was that something you suggested or something she wanted to do? From what I can remember, we, we sort of said, you know, I don't want her to have the pressure of asking the questions. She can ask the counsellor and the counsellor can ask me mm. sort of thing. That's yeah. how it worked. And after about four or five months, we, we had this conversation where it basically boiled down to, I'm still your dad. I'm still here for you. I, I've not changed inside. And she said, yeah, I just get it now. I just get it. And um, it was a weight off my shoulders. It was it was such a relief. It was really such a relief. And about a month later, she put a post up on Facebook. Oh, my dad's trans, you know. (laughs) And she came, she basically came out to her friends that I was trans, which was, which was really nice. It was unexpected. And when I saw it, it, you know, it met with my heart, bless her. Yeah, she was number one on my list. And then after that, I just think, well, I've got friends who I've known for 30 years who I sat down and told in individual time sort of thing. Because by this time I'd had two Facebook profiles and obviously the the way Facebook works, the algorithms or whatever it is, that people you may know, so you start <laughs> seeing people on my other friends list, on my friends list. So I had to come out really because a couple of people said, oh, I've got, people looks like you (laughs) so you had two facebook profiles with two completely different names and two genders yeah wow but because i think it works out of your devices Mm. unless you're really clever eventually there are crossovers yeah i had a few few chats again and then decided to uh, to put a post up on my facebook about my journey by then I, i suppose i was 45 something like that just to explain my journey and my reasonings it's actually the came up on my facebook memories today so it was an anniversary today oh happy transversary um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i've just invented a word for us <laughs> yes and how did that go because people can be um weird on facebook sometimes my life at that time i was heavily playing poker in the poker scene it's very male dominated again but it, it's very friendly and you sit at a table and you have banter and and try and people <laughs> win people's money and um but we had a few people who put negative comments but I didn't have to say anything because my other friends jumped in and and said you know why are you being like this blah 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 well, that's one way of finding out who your true friends are isn't it well yeah and I suppose now as the years have gone on it took me a couple of years before I went back to poker as Claire mm. and played for the first yeah. time but because I'm with people I know and in a friendly place and you know I've got quite a dry sense of humor anyway and we just sit around and take the piss out of each other but it was it was different but and, and I'd missed it for two years because I think I didn't want to give up aspects of my life because I transitioned mm. I still wanted to do the things I still like going to football if I can because I've done it for years and years and I've got good friends there and um for me that that coming out then was getting messages of support you can only really tell when you meet them personally then so it sounds like you've only lost a few sort of people in the periphery and most of your real friends have been real friends yeah and by that time Claire obviously was going out 
I was reliving my life as a teenager. <laughs> so I was I was um, going off like to Manchester once a month or or Leeds or wherever. The options for clubs is either going to London or there's Pink Punters in Milton Keynes, which is a really good. It was my first proper club to go to it's like really good security it's safe and it's good good music so yeah. it, it allowed me to evolve in a safe environment well, i thought um, nothing happened in milton Keynes, so i'm quite impressed no. to learn this. <laughs> concrete cows <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Yeah. so having a safe environment to transition in is is important because realistically there's like sex clubs where the, there's pressure on on trans people to be sexualized and which is not very good really so i think there's more options now but um it's depending on their confidence really uh, your confidence grows for me like the abuse i get hasn't really changed it's just my attitude in how i deal with it you're getting abuse from who who when it's everywhere really you know when you're out it's verbal abuse it's physical abuse I think I've had rocks thrown at me. I think I've been tripped, punched, everything you can think of, really. Just for walking down the street? Well, yeah, just for engaging, you know, going out, just doing your normal stuff. I mean, obviously, like last year was a bit of a, a low for me because I, I do homeless outreach. And um, hmm. after homeless outreaches, we normally go and have a chat and talk about what we've done and everything. And last year, I, I think I got threatened with a knife three times like walking back to the station or whatever but I'm an easy target I'm six foot three and a bit and I'm an easy target and this is blatant transphobia then. yeah yeah I know I knew my wardrobe would improve <laughs> when I transitioned but um buying a stab vest was probably the saddest thing I've brought is that true yeah yeah I've, I've worn it when I do outreach I don't wear it all the time. <sighs> That's horrific, Claire. So you, you feel that threatens that you wear a stab vest when you do the work? Yeah, I stopped volunteering since last year, really, because it set me back a bit. Again, it's something I didn't want to do because dealing with homeless people, the amount of LGBT people on the streets is quite high. So Disproportionately. We, yeah. we reckon it's about one in four and lots mm. of people on the street, they hide their sexuality or their gender because mm. it's not safe. Mm -hmm. And when I'm feeding people on the street, they come to me because they can see I'm openly trans and they tell me their stories and how hard it is. It's trying to transition on the street is so hard. And even being a gay guy, it's, you know, lots hide it because of the abuse. So it's something I've got my head around a bit more now and I will go back out and, and start more um, voluntary work. It's really sad to hear you say that because a lot of people say, oh, things are great for LGBT people in, you know, in the 20s. You know, we've got equal marriage. Things aren't too bad. Why do you need gay pride parades? Yeah. And hearing you talk just makes me realise even more why we need gay pride marches and great gay pride month. And, yeah. You know, and for the whole LGBT family to be together as one. I think the thing is, it's easy to go down a wormhole online on Twitter and, you know, faceless people and get abuse on there. But it's a different when you're, when you're just going out trying to live your life. Like I do my job normally, I go out, 
I'm an electrician, I service shops, and I just get on with my life. Then you'll get the, the comments, you know, and then you have to decide, actually, do I want to engage in this person? It's not my job to educate them, but a lot of people, mm. I'm maybe the first trans person they've met. So I use it as a good opportunity to explain a few things. If it's like early evening or afternoon and people are reasonable, I've got a good chance of having a conversation. But if it's 12 o'clock outside a pub, that conversation isn't really going to be worthwhile me having. So I've learned to cross over, ignore the comments. And you have come out of work then? There are people understanding at work? Yeah, no, I, um, I stopped working on building sites because it was just, it was really tough to transition my builder that, that I was working for was really good, but obviously every site you go to, there's different people. And by then I fully transitioned, name change, deep pole. And I, then I just put my CV online as Claire and my present company employed me as Claire. Things like changing my qualifications, my city and guilds. I have to dead name myself every time I give my certificates in because it's such a procedure to change them and expensive. I think they want like £80 a certificate to change it. And it's I've got like five or six certificates now. So it really doesn't bother me, but I shouldn't have to out myself when I go to get a job like. No. So, But they're a good company and, and it's great because I'm going out to meeting different people every day and they're engaging in with a trans woman just going about a daily job. It, it was interesting, you said, you said a phrase a while ago, you said, I'm very obviously and openly trans. Is that yeah, a conscious yeah. decision for you? Because a lot of um, trans people I've spoken to have gone through periods in their life where they wanted to be, and they use this word, stealth. So they don't want anyone yeah. to realise their past or uh, any previous genders. They want to just be known as who they are now they don't want to discuss it they don't want to be open but for you I get the sense that it's very important for you to be openly trans and talk about the issues yeah I think I'm at that stage where in my life now I've been at the gender clinic for four years and I'm finally now on the waiting list for surgery mm -hmm. so surgery will probably happen within a year I'm trying to finish my house and so I can sell it so I can afford facial surgery I am a happy trans woman and I don't mind saying that. I know obviously there's this big lot of pressure on for people to pass or, oh, I don't look feminine enough or whatever. They, I, I see it on a lot of the groups. Mm. They're looking for affirmation all the time. I feel that, you know, they, there's a balance that needs to be struck. You know, my history is my history. I'm a I'm a woman with a trans history is probably how I would define myself. It's not the same for everyone, though. So like, a lot of people, they want to keep their head down and just get on with their life. I get the sense for you as well, though, that you feel like there's a lot to fight for at the moment. I know for a fact that you've been and stood outside the Houses of Parliament with placards before now. <laughs> yes, well, uh, we get called activist trans rights activist but actually when you've got this drip drip effect of abuse of pressure of every time you open up the papers on a sunday or whenever it, it, you know you you just know you're going to get attacked and i need to be there holding a banner i need to go to the protest to the trans black trans lives 
protest was awesome. We need to be making our presence known and the reforms that were promised still haven't happened and we need to keep the pressure on. It's tough times for trans people, I think, isn't it? I feel like sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back with trans rights. Do you feel that? Well, it, I think it can be. I think a lot of a lot of it is how the debate is framed and what we're talking about. And so, you know, saying, oh, we're going to bar trans women from toilets is, is a bit of a no-go, really, because we've been doing it for years and um, protected in doing so for 10 years with the Equality Act. So once you sit and have that discussion and find out what level people understanding is obviously we're still going to be battling against people who have got their ultimate aim is just to not have trans people because you know again when you explain the argument and and bring trans men into it then they often get forgotten about in the trans debate Mm -hmm. and they're an important part of showing actually why certain people's thinking is not the best hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) We hear about the reforms. What's the most important thing in the reforms that you'd like to see happen? I'd like to see maybe non-binary people represented or being shown to be thought of. I think actually obtaining a gender recognition certificate at the moment, you need to have a medical diagnosis and or I think two medical diagnoses and shown that you've lived in your acquired gender for at least two years maybe just simplifying it a bit more the more i talk to you claire the more i realize and remember just quite how much we've got to fight for as a community actually so thank you for this really important and timely reminder actually yeah i mean it's about embracing what rights we have and tuning it as we go along and but obviously it all takes time but doing things protesting and and standing up you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for people who who are following so it makes it easier by me going out doing my job and engaging with people then the next trans person they meet hopefully they'll have a better interaction Amen to that. Yeah. And just before just before you go, Claire, I just wanted to um, point out, because obviously I can see you because this is a Zoom call, <laughs> um, but people listening won't be able to see this. There's a lovely card behind your head. I hope you don't mind me pointing this out. Oh, yeah. There's Dad. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is a, a lovely card from your daughter. Yes, it's my Father's Day card. Ah. Uh, to Dad, happy Father's Day. Thank you for everything you do for me. Thank you for being inspirational in the work you do. I hope you feel better soon. Hopefully the presents help. The love's Amy, my daughter. Eventually she joined me at Brighton and we marched. It was actually after the Pulse shooting and um, we marched right at the front of Brighton Pride with, with a picture of the people who got killed at pulse and it was so emotional she always inspires me and we sat down in the garden in the summer this year and um she just dropped it in the conversation that she's bisexual and uh, (laughs) so she came out to you yes so um she's got that confidence and she said she's felt different at 13 at 14 but hopefully makes a a happier person. She hasn't got to wait 20 years more to come out. And, uh, you know, she's happy now expressing herself. Wow. (laughs) And you happy with, are you okay with her calling you dad? Is that something you stick with? Yeah, yeah. That's not going to change. With conversations with people, I think it's important that she's still got her dad. 
even though you know I present differently. <laughs> well, you are an incredible example of the LGBTQ rainbow family, aren't you? Oh, really? Thank you so much. And marching together for everybody's <laughs> rights. I yeah. love it. And whenever this COVID nonsense is over again, I'm sure we'll all be out marching. Yes, definitely, definitely. There you go, a double coming out story. The wonderful Claire talking about coming out as trans and how she now has an out and proud bisexual daughter. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at Come Out Stories and on Instagram, we're Coming Out Stories Pod. More inspirational stories next time around when we meet Leighton and hear a coming out story that's connected to a royal wedding, no less. We had um, a a fancy dress party at ours for William F. Gates' wedding and I dressed up as Princess Di, my partner dressed up as I think the Queen's mother and then other friends and we took a picture and one of my friends posted a picture on Facebook then my aunts messaged me saying what's all this rubbish what's all this nonsense that you're dressed as a woman what why are you trying to tell us my partner just went maybe it's time you just told them <laughs> <laughs>